honestly, I don't even know. There's a 99.9% chance that I cry in today's podcast. I am emotional as everything is making me cry. Why would you cry? I'm gonna cry. Everything's making me cry this week. We'll find out. Roll the intro. Let's go home. Hey guys, welcome back to Well Till None, our weekly podcast hosted by myself, Lauren, and boyfriend, Dami. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, happy j- Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. How are things going? Or whatever day you listen to the podcast. Second week of December. Let's go. Holy shit. Have you bought my Christmas present yet? Uh, no, but I, it's, it's cause I'm just down to so many different options. I just can't choose. Mm-hmm. Guys, yeah. I, I, uh, truthfully gave Jeremy an idea of what I would love for Christmas. And he said, no, he said it was ugly and he would not buy it for me. I mean, they're like the <laughs> ugliest sneakers I've ever seen. <laughs> and you were like, and not rude. only were they ugly sneakers, you were like, mom, Jeremy, will you buy me these really, will you just split this present? They're expensive. Honestly, this is so many boyfriends dream is when the girlfriend tells them exactly what they would like for Christmas, a present that they would enjoy and something affordable to split. Right, but have I ever had a Christmas go by where I just like really missed the mark no, and like couldn't no. figure it out? You're, you're a good gift, a gift it, buyer, yeah. But now I feel like I can't even believe you. I feel like it's in like almost insulting. I just, I don't know. Our Christmas this year is like a little, is like a little um, non-traditional. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I panicked. Anyways, um, just- I was put in the um, <laughs> give specific instructions because he cannot fend for himself category. I guess it does say that. That's not how I feel. I just thought that I just thought that we already have enough Action Christmas stress. Louder than words. We have so much Christmas stress going on this year that I, I just thought that I would just take one thing. Anyways, anyways, I want to follow up with my intro. Um, so I've been coming off of my uh, anti-anxiety medication. I've I've talked about this on my vlog. Uh, but basically I've been on an SSRI for nine years and my doctor has safely reduced my um, dosage so that now I am fully off. I've been off for two weeks and everything is making me cry. Everything. We watched the finale of The Undoing last night, cried. Chris's movie, cry. Someone wrote me a nice message on uh, in the DMs, cried. Everything is making me cry. You know, I will say it's interesting because you don't, Historically, you don't cry that much. I don't cry that much, yeah. And for an awfully, um, not emotional person, <laughs> someone who's in tune with their emotions, yeah. you don't cry as much as I, I guess I would have thought you would have. Huh, interesting. So this makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm on the verge of tears at all moments. <laughs> like anything too happy, too sad. Right, it's not any one specific no, genre no. of emotion. It, it yeah, could happen at any moment. Yeah, so welcome to an hour of will she cry or not? I, I, there's something sitting on our side table here that for sure will make me cry. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to tee it up. Just want to tee it up, putting out in the open, um, because I, I am, I, uh, I'm gonna sob I don't most likely. And also now you're setting it up for be way big, like way bigger than it is. No, I don't. Well, I don't know. You know what? If if Christmas movies, if cheesy Netflix Christmas movies can make me cry, I think that um some heartfelt shit can also make me cry. Well, welcome to the Heartfelt Podcast. Welcome to the Heartfelt Podcast. So nice. You want to give the people a little update on your life? Um, I mean, yeah. Okay. So besides the fact that I'm I'm going through an emotional crisis right now for absolutely no reason. And do you have another like follow up appointment with the doctor? Yeah, I do on Friday. Oh, I, was like, I is do this on your Friday. Permanent state? Am I stuck with this? <laughs> Is this final form? I mean, I've been really trying to hold back tears. Like I've been trying to like not 
cry too much just like at all times, but I could cry at any moment. Okay. It's pretty wild. Anyways, um, today is Vlogmas Eve. So for those of you who um, have not participated in viewership or content creation of Vlogmas, it is vlogging every day until Christmas, which is um, a little psychotic, if I'm being honest. It's making a video every single day. And uh, luckily I personally have um, someone who edits my videos so I can send my footage off and the next day it'll be ready. Um, so that's gonna happen six out of seven days of the week and I will be editing every Sunday. <sighs> I'm a little scared. I've never done Vlogmas before. So anyways. Oh, um, never, never? No, I've never done oh. this before. So on top of being overly emotional, I'm gonna be overworked as well, which I think is a really healthy combination. <laughs> To be fair though, you're very good at getting tasks done. When I have an end date, yeah. um, I, I think I'll be able to do it. I, yeah. But just like, it's just not healthy. Your not healthy. Um, free flow is not your friend. You, no, yeah, no, 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 love me some structure. You, Yeah, but you thrive in that, you get shit done. Like yeah. I feel like there are people out there that don't like put a deadline on, deadline on them and they're like, ooh, I work at my own pace. Yeah. And then there's also people who are like, if there's no deadline, I'll, I'll get to it just short of when I die. <laughs> Right, right, Two right, types right. Of people. Two types of people. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that I'll do okay with like the daily routine of doing it. I'm sure I'll right. fall into the routine, but I just need everyone to know that here is a nice uh, preface to the next 23 days of making a video every single day where I'm feeling, aside from the whole like being on the verge of tears at all moment, I'm feeling pretty sane. So I think it's funny because in seven days when we, or whenever we record the next episode, people will be able to see you just start just to like slowly deteriorate. deteriorate. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Because yes, people yes. won't actually see this video until 13 days after Vlogmas began. No, seven days after Vlogmas begins. Oh shit, you're right. Seven oh, days so after. Yeah, so it'll be the first yeah. week. So also it'll be pretty fresh, but I'm sure you'll see the light going from my eyes. Or maybe you'll love it. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So realistically, <laughs> everyone should be wishing me luck. <laughs> Tears at any moment, just uh, overload of stress. Uh, anyway, happy Vlogmas, everyone. It's Vlogmas Eve, starts tomorrow. Happy Get Vlogmas. excited, happy Vlogmas. Um, on top of happy Vlogmas, happy DUI scrubbed off your record, kind sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank, uh, my lawyer. My lawyer. My mother. My, no, my lawyers. Uh, my well, my mom. She yeah, she was there for me. She yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was. Sometimes there, she was there a little too much. I was like, you know what? I'll handle this, please. I feel like for our listeners, yeah. that sentence was really jarring. Me getting arrested for a DUI. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> it's funny because I have. I feel like I've wanted to tell bits and pieces of 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 the not to the DUI story, but things that have happened after mm -hmm. I got arrested for. Hi, my name is Jeremy and I was arrested for a DUI. At what age? Uh, 17. Okay, and yeah, I feel like that, that's a that's a huge, I feel like piece of the story that I'd like to put out there now. Yeah, 17, <laughs> I, I had turned 17 the month before. So 16 turning 17. Okay. Um, But I feel like I've wanted to tell bits and pieces of the story for so long, but it has taken me 11 years, literally until last week or two weeks ago, to actually get it expunged off of my record to the point where like I can actually talk about it open and honestly right, and not worry about like things coming back to bite me in the ass and this and that. And like, technically I was like 17. So you're, like, you're kind of a minor, but you're kind of not in the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's kind of like this gray area of like, do you put it on job applications? Do you have to tell people and like this and that. So it's like very gray area anyway. Right. And I was, you know, although <laughs> let's be clear, I was drunk, I was driving. Like, <laughs> let's be very clear. I was very guilty of all those yeah, things. Yeah, Although yeah. it's expunged off my record now. Right. Like the, the fact of the matter is like, I didn't end up actually getting convicted of a DUI, which is why I was able to get it off, but it still took me 11 
years. And so this process, you you weren't able to start the process of expunging it until a certain amount of time had passed, right? Well, not only that, yeah. So it took like five years to start the process of like not having any other things hit your record, right? Oh, so you had to have a clean record for five years. That was step one. Not only did I have to have it, when I initially got arrested for DUI, it was like end of February, March mm-hmm. of, of that, I think it was 2009. And they had just increased the like penalty of what DUIs in Illinois meant. Oh. It meant that I was supposed to like have a breathalyzer in my car for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. And I was like, if I got one more, it was like like mandatory, like jail time or it was jail time even like, I don't know. There was like a lot of things that went with it and it, okay. it just turned over. And when I got it, there was no world where I was getting it expunged. That law actually changed four or five years afterwards. And my lawyer called my mom back and was like, hey, I think I can get this off of his record. Oh. So like it, things fell into place for me to be able to even get it off my record in the first right. place. Yeah, but it, it took five, 10 years to like start and finish that process. Oh my God. Well, yeah. um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> my mom is sitting at home being like, you're dating a criminal. <laughs> well, you know, it's like really sad. The, I mean, and, and once again, I did it. That wasn't even like a question of like whether, absolutely. The sad part as a high schooler mm-hmm. who I think is sheltered a little bit from a reality is that you- Totally. You start to realize when friends say they can't hang out or like you can't do certain things that like, actually that's the parents saying, no, no, no. I know you know Jeremy for five or 10 your whole life. <gasps> You're not allowed to hang out with him anymore. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't even think about like yeah. the social uh, effects of that. Yeah, there were, it was interesting to see. And I think anyone who's like run into like this kind of shit before themselves, like right. will like relate with like, the even like well-meaning parents and this and that people have always been there, whatever. It was very interesting to see the people who were immediately like, no, Johnny can't hang out with them. Or like, you know what? We need to spend more time with Jeremy because he needs it more than ever. Oh, interesting. And like people very much fell into those two buckets. Yeah. I mean, there, I definitely had a few friends growing up who uh, got caught shoplifting. I mean, that's something that's so like common um, in teenagers. And I think that my parents didn't even really know, but I made the personal decision to be like, oh shit, like I don't know if I fuck with this. And I I, I distanced myself a little bit if I'm being honest. God, you're a good kid. <laughs> I, I would just be, I would be too nervous to ever, ever shoplift. Like outside yeah. of like a piece of candy from like a bulk bin of candy. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that was the extent of my shoplifting. Badass. Badass. In Canada, we have Bulk Barn and that's what like that store is built mm-hmm. on. Just like um, bulk candy and other goods. Oh, and you stole a piece of bulk candy? Into my mouth. Got, so I didn't right. even leave the store with it. Well, I right. guess I technically did leave the store with it, right, but you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it, well, could have well, put it back. Okay. Well, anyway, long story short, <laughs> I, um, I have been, I feel like I, let me just burp here. I feel like there have been people who have asked us like, hey, tell us more about like your story in college or high school or this or that. And there have been just, I felt like I couldn't be honest with the whole story Mm -hmm. because the beginning of the story, which sounds like the worst thing that ever happened to me, to be fair, Mm -hmm. like it was so important that set me on the path to who I am today. And like, realistically, I don't think that we would be together had I not gotten the DUI at 17 years old. Definitely not. Which is like crazy to think so, right? Like that, uh, a bad thing like that would decide so much random shit that to a degree has nothing to do with it, but has everything to do with it. Well, I'm a, I'm like a firm believer that like everything happens for a reason and like one slight change in your path can just totally just put you on an entirely different direction. Right. Um, but 
I think that this probably was one of the most pivotal points. So like, it, you know, it could have even been different had you gone to a different high school. Totally. You know what I mean? Like something very like, right. very normal. But I think this was like the most pivotal change that like, if you, this hadn't happened, you probably would have never moved to LA, you know? Like there's so many things like chain reactions that it would have changed. Right. It, it's funny. I, I feel like I, when we were talking about like, hey, we can like, what are you gonna talk about next pod or whatever? I was mm -hmm. like, I wanna talk about the DUI. And you were like, oh, okay. Like, oh shit, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> and like, I literally like to myself, I, I went to my office last night. Yeah, last yeah. night. And quite literally wrote a timeline down of just like all the things that transpired mm -hmm. after that DUI. And it was crazy to almost relive my own life of just like, I, even, I feel like I even realized some things that I hadn't even thought of a year or two ago of like, wow, that also was tied to all the different dominoes that kind of impacted from that first impact. Right. Well, I mean, everything's connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we need to like back it up a little bit. Okay. Um, now that we've gotten like the announcement, the congratulatory session out of the way, and we've established this was at like 16, almost 17. Um, take us back. I mean, like, should we just like talk about the night that you got? So as someone who's never even been pulled over for like a speeding ticket or like a headlight out, I think that I would have shat if I got caught driving drunk. Well, the the thing, the point of, of being drunk is that you're not as with it. Um, I guess. Mentally with it. And so like, although you're not like sitting there going, Ooh, I'll figure this out. You're, I mean, I was shit faced as a 17 year old kid mm -hmm. because Uber didn't exist. And I couldn't call my mom until I was drunk and all these things. I was like, I'll just, I'm, I'm invincible. I'll drive myself kind of thing. Right. And uh, I think that when it was happening, I mean, I was, I was very drunk when it happened, like pretty, pretty drunk. It was pretty bad. Uh, like should not have been driving a car, could have seriously hurt somebody, right? For sure. Um, so to give you a little bit of context, it was the night of my winter formal. Okay. When I was a junior in high school. Uh, uh, that, uh, that's what helped me, the Canadian. 11. Like 10, 11. Yeah. And I was like, it wasn't even like from the dance. It was like, I'd gone to some party or this or that afterwards. And I was with a buddy of mine mm -hmm. and we were just like leaving the party. And I think I was driving him to go take him back to his place or go to the next place or whatever kind of thing. It was late. And how, how far were you from like the destination? Cause I feel like people are always like, when I hear of drunk driving stories, I feel like it's always like, oh, well I was only 10 minutes away. So like, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, it was close. It was Rockford. It wasn't, none of it's that far, right, right? right? It's all a 10, 15 minute drive, no matter how far you're I going. Kind okay. of thing, right. And to give you an uh, even more like context, like when I was driving, I didn't hit anybody. I wasn't speeding. I was going the speed limit in my lane, like would not have been pulled over under normal circumstances. Oh. But I went through a police checkpoint. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, so I see. Pulling... But I mean, like this is this is why police checkpoints are so exactly. important. Because like I feel I and you know what? I feel like all my friends who drive, not drunk, but like a few of my friends who will like smoke weed beforehand, they're totally. like they're like, I'm so focused, da 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 da. But it's like you just I, this can sound terrible, but you just like can't trust the people. Can't you always can't. trust the people. <laughs> you can't. And and it's one of those things where no, I was I was going the speed limit. I wouldn't have pulled right, over all those right. things, but I don't. Maybe, maybe a car would have pulled out in front of me six blocks ahead, and I right, hit it as right. a seventeen year old. Like reactions just somebody, different. Yes, I'd still be in jail. Right. I, it, involuntary man, whatever it is, like I would be in jail, no doubt. Right. So, like, if you had not gone through that police checkpoint and they stopped you, like that could have altered so much of like your path, your journey, your direction. Right. Even more than the DUI did in a much worse way. Totally. And so I went to the checkpoint and I was so drunk. The police officer didn't even ask me to blow. That's how, because it was just like, kid, you're, you know, reeking of alcohol. It's, it's, it's miserable kind of thing. Threw me in the back, went actually to jail. And you like, went into jail? Yeah, the, yeah, into a holding cell. Oh my yeah. God. 
Yeah. Mom was super, super excited Love about that. Love that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is side note. I, um, in our law class in high school, we had to blow into a breathalyzer uh, pre-COVID days. Uh-huh. <laughs> they just like take a Kleenex and wipe off the top. No way. I, I mean, I think I think there was a few of us that tried, right? Cause That's we were hilarious. just like, I, you just don't think about it. Right. Anyway, um, it's, it's like a big ass breath. And yeah. maybe me being like 15 and having like these little tiny, like hundred pound body lungs, like had a harder time, but like breathalyzers are not easy to take. I was shocked. You know, I. Oddly enough, I still wouldn't be able to tell you. Never did one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. I'm such a, um, that's, you know. I can't believe I have more life experience than you, you have there. You have more breathalyzer experience wow, than I that's, do. Wow, yeah. that's pretty wild. Um, okay, so you went to jail and- I mean, I went to a, like, wait, a, a when holding cell. Wait, when you go cell. into a holding cell, do yeah. they do the whole like frisk and search and take everything off and you're in like- No, I was the, in my own clothes. Oh, I see, yeah, I see. It's like overnight. And, and to give it any more context, to make uh, mom even more proud, she worked for the state of Illinois. So right. like I was basically being taken- to her place of work. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm sure every mother's dream. She was super proud of me that moment. Oh my God. What, what was her, what was her initial reaction? Uh, I mean, I mad, upset, distraught, just. Um, Knowing your mom, I've never seen her. I've, I feel like I can um, envision her being upset, but I can't, I can't visualize her being angry. She was. Which might actually be worse. Yeah, she was. Uh, I mean, it was this, the, the problem was it was the mixture of couldn't be madder at me, like st- excited that, you know, or happy, I guess that I wasn't like hurt, whatever, but like right. couldn't be more upset with me, couldn't be more disappointed with me, couldn't be more um, all of the things at once and mm-hmm. didn't have any of the tools to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, she like came and picked me up with my stepdad in the middle of the night and took me home. And it was crazy because I think similar to like, you know, when you like wake up from a crazy dream that feels real, mm-hmm. you go, oh my God. It was a dream of course kind of thing. I remember I woke up the next morning and that, like when when I was taken, being arrested and taken downtown and all these things, whatever, it's not that it didn't hit me, but I was still just like, this is, it's so far from reality and my reality and who I am and my path that it didn't feel real. Right. And I remember I woke up the next morning and I remember thought to myself, my life's over. Also fully sober now. Like yeah. taking in, taking in the responsibilities of like what had happened. Yeah. And I remember that moment of like waking up and like looking at my door, it was closed in my bedroom. And like, I, I want nothing, I have, I want nothing on the other side of that door. Right. I do not want to get out of this bed. I do not want to face anyone. I do not want to face anything. Everything in my life has now completely changed. Right. Okay. And so then leading up to this night, what kind of kid were you in school? I mean, did not give a single fuck about grades. I love sports. Uh, I was big with sports and everything. And I, this was right, I mean, we'll, we'll get into, I enjoy music, I love music, but it wasn't like a passion of mine. It wasn't okay. something that like carried my life or a theme that kept me going on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was constantly trying to chase after the image of what um, I thought a man was supposed to be, this manly thing, mm-hmm. right? To personify this thing that didn't exist in my life. And although I had a stepdad at the time, it was like, he was not my father. Right. You know, I right. couldn't stand him. Because how was, long were they together? Uh, five years. Okay. Five. But I mean, if it's not someone that you go through like your youth with, right. I think especially as a teenager, it's so hard to connect. Not to mention like coming into my life at, I think fifth or sixth grade. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's such a hard, right. that's like when kids are, are they they are tough to warm up. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like hitting the head on of like trying to be this, um, this masculine 
thing that didn't want help from anybody. Right. So I think even if he had been some great stepfather, which he wasn't by any means, I still would have pushed back and mm-hmm. he wasn't. And I really pushed back. Right. 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 right and right. I know my mom was upset about that and all the other things, but my mom was very like, like not strict, but much, much more on the conservative side and was not someone who was going to like see the gray area of like uh, boys being dumb and stupid or whatever. It was very much, it wasn't a, uh, Jeremy next, like think better next time, or maybe you should think about doing this. It was, if you think or want to do these things, you are wrong. Right. So don't well, do them. I, I think too, not to play devil's advocate for your mother to justify why she was so angry because I feel like she has every right to be Absolutely. angry. I think on top of that as well, because you are adopted and she was a single mother for so long. Like, I feel like even though she had been really strict with you and conservative, I feel like every decision that she made in her life, whether it, ended up being kind of like right or wrong was always with your best intentions 100%. to give you the best life. So I'm Absolutely. sure that she felt, she looked inward and I'm sure potentially put the blame on herself a little bit. I'm sure she did. Right. You know, absolutely. And and I'm sure to this day, she probably does to, mm-hmm. some, to some extent. And it's just interesting to kind of see because that moment obviously was a low point for me and the, everything that came after that, whether that was having to go to court or having to go to school, all these things or whatever, you can't get away from that. And people right. will, when they see that, they now associate you with that. And when it's a big enough city where you can kind of get away, but you can't really get away, mm-hmm. it's like you're constantly thinking to yourself, does this person have a preconceived notion of who I am based off of what they've heard from that point forward? And as I've talked about in previous podcasts, I had no interest in staying in Rockford. And I don't know, I don't have a clear enough like like memory to remember now to like, I'm sure this was part of it. I wanted to get away. Right. And oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, to leave that, right. to leave that image of that you felt Absolutely. like you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So when you applied to community college and later Kentucky, is that something that goes on like your job applications and your school applications? Yeah, so once again, gray area. It's right? gray area, because yeah. it's like kind of minor, kind of not. I mean, the, the way they ask the question, right? Sometimes they'll just ask you, have you ever been arrested for a misdemeanor or arrested for a misdemeanor? Or have you ever been tried? Have you ever been um, pulled over for? There, There's varying levels mm. and there's certain things like in certain states that now are no longer allowed, um, which is, I don't, like you can't look up, um, juvenile records from other states and either in, and even in some states, right? Oh, interesting. Um, but the way that it ended up was I wasn't, I didn't have to put it on all of my applications okay. um, for school and whatnot, but certain, uh, I guess legally I didn't have to put it on some applications, but it would show up a few times moving forward on applications for things that I did. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so what does it show up as? Because you weren't technically convicted. Um, it showed, no, it showed up as um, reckless driving DUI based. Oh, reckless driving DUI yeah. based. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean like to take, take it all back a couple steps, right? The DUI happens, obviously a big deal. Mom is distraught. Stepdad and her were not doing well anyway. Right. And I remember we were, my private school found out and forced me to go to some like alcohol rehabilitation, like counseling session to oh, figure out if this was like a problem that I needed to be like brought into a system for a program or if it was something that was more like a one-off. Right? right. And I remember I went and, you know, talked to this, the psychologist, this doctor about whatever, and kind of went through stuff and she made her recommendations. And I, I don't, and that didn't really end up being anything more than it was. 
And I remember on the way back, we got home and like my mom was irate about the whole thing, right? Like that she had to do this and this and that. And I had to go pick up the car from the impound and all these things, right? And we walked back into the house. As, as we're walking in, my stepdad is, has two suitcases in his hands. And he said, I'm over this. I'm done. What a fuck ass. Yeah. No, and but like that genuinely makes me so like. <sighs> and I, I, I was such, I was such at a point in my life. I remember I looked at him. I was like, finally, some good fucking news from this thing. Well, I mean, if you guys had a poor relationship to begin with, and if, especially if too, like seeing the negative sides and always being on your mom's side, right? Because obviously, family first. Um, I'm sure that was like a little bit of a relief. I mean, it's funny because he said, "I'm, I'm, I'm headed out. I'm not coming back." And he kept his word. I never saw him again. Um, but it was funny because I think about two weeks later, three weeks later, I don't, I don't really remember like what the catalyst was here, but I'll always remember my mom. My mom was like sitting on the couch next to me and she said, uh, I have a feeling that this was all for the better. And it was very much like when she came to grips with the fact that like, she's now going to be another divorce. Things are not falling. Things are not going the, the way that they are planned. She had spent a lot of her savings getting this dude out of his situation, all this shit, right? Right. So I forgot much. that I forgot that she really committed to yeah. like helping him in, you know, financial yeah. ways as well. I mean, that's mature as hell for your mom. Like obviously she's an adult, but like right. there are so many mothers who come from a single mother background who would look at that situation and and turn that into something so toxic and put blame on you for being the catalyst for something that would be implied negatively. Right, right. But for her, even after two or three weeks, like I feel like that is so, that is so amazing. Like that's yeah. commendable for her to yeah. be able to see it in that light and see like the positive perspective of everything that had happened and knowing that like things were gonna be okay. Things were gonna get better. Yeah, and I mean, she's a fighter. I mean, it wasn't the first time she dealt with some real bullshit before and, and right. she, she came out ahead of it. Um, do you want to read the letter? Or do you want me to read the letter? I No, I'm going to ball. Okay, so preface, what is, what is the letter? What so is the letter? I had begged my mom not to tell my grandmother because she's right. my favorite person in the whole world and right. this and that. And I, I don't know if she said she wouldn't or this or that or whatever, but one day she handed me a letter from my grandmother and she'd obviously told him or told her and, and was like, this is from your grandmother. And I was like... And so I, I went and found it last night and I had to like, like type it out because it's really difficult to read. I literally want to cry just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> and so she wrote me this. I literally, do you see the tears going up? I haven't even started. I know, but I read like the first couple lines. Oh my God, I'm already crying. Okay, go, go. All right. <laughs> this was, I don't know, week or two, whatever, after everything happened. And she goes, hi, Jer. I am so sorry your willpower had deserted you the night of your school dance. I was very disappointed and very upset. And I know your mom was too. No matter, I love you and I want the best for you. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> God is standing at the top of a narrow road with his outstretched hand. You are his child, ask for forgiveness and he will forgive you if it comes from your heart. You are a good boy. And I pray that you will have enough strength and willpower to set things right. Be humble and kind and loving to your mom and those that think a lot of it. <laughs> And those who think a lot of you, you and your mom are going through a lot right now. My thoughts, prayers, and love are with you both. No matter how tall you grow or how much you weigh, you'll always be my little sweetheart. I love you very much. I'm on your side. Call me if you want to talk. Great. That's so cute. <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> <sighs> 
Oh, um, we couldn't have done this at the end of the episode. <laughs> so that hit hard then. It hits hard now. Uh, I wish these cameras were less HD currently. <laughs> yeah, can we get this down to 720 for this point? <laughs> oh, fucking shit. God damn. Yeah, I skimmed over it yesterday when we were like planning the podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I am not mentally well enough <laughs> to go to read this. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was just like, it was hard because she was like, you know, I'm disappointed this and that. And she gets like, and it was very much just no matter. I love you. I need you to talk for a little bit while I get the ball out of my mouth. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that was, it, it's crazy to think because at that time, I think my, yeah, my, that was right before she would have moved and like really started to go downhill, like physically, right? Um, that was right before she moved in with us with my grandfather before he died and everything. And, and that was kind of like the last time where I feel like she lived somewhere else and, and I was so scared for her to find out about it. And then, cause I haven't seen her. And I remember the next time I saw her, of course, it was as if like nothing had happened and she loved me and everything was okay because it was, but you know, it's, it's so scary as a 17 year old going, I've disappointed everybody. Mm-hmm. So those letters mean a lot and they still do. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it right now. <sighs> I got a Kleenex. Please hold. Welcome back. Hello. My maker's all fucked up and. <sighs> so let's talk about how we got to this happy point, right? Uh... Um, so. Uh, to give you a little context, obviously worst day ever. Everything's terrible kind of thing. And I remember that was like, a, I don't know, Friday, Saturday. And I go to school, you know, that next week or whatever. And I went to a private school. And so there's like, I don't know, 500 kids in the entire school. So mm-hmm. everyone knows everything and everyone's talked and this and that. And I remember I get called into like the office, I don't know, second period, third period. And it was the principals. And I had a decent relationship. And he was like, got anything you want to tell me? Oh, fuck. And I was like, nope. <laughs> he's like, well, he already knew, right? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. well, let me rephrase that. Uh, I got two punishments for you. One if you tell me, and one if I have to tell if I have to find out. Got anything to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, gave him enough information. He goes, okay, great. We'll go with the lesser one kind of thing. And so I was, you know, outside of being suspended, I didn't really care about that. That wasn't a big deal. The the thing that I think was like the real trigger for me was that I would, was still in a place where sports were what you did because you were a man and you wanted to be manly. You wanted to be cool. You wanted your friends to think you were cool, right? And that's was very much like what my 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 persona was. That's the vibe I wanted to give off. I wanted to be star athlete. I, I mean, not in star, but just like that was the the crowd that I wanted to think. That's the crowd that I wanted to to get respect from. Right. Right. And he was like, "So, just you know, a couple things. You won't be able to do um, sports, obviously." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you got to take um, at least uh, a season off of that. That's IHS or Illinois High School Association, and that's the way that we work it. So no sports. So that's done. Um, and then like you're on sort these sorts of probations and these watch. You got to check in and grades and all this shit, or whatever. And like I walked out of there and, it was, and to a degree was very much. I didn't know anybody at the school who wasn't allowed to play sports. Right. I didn't know no one at the school was like as far limited. as I was concerned was limited in the capacity that I was limited. So outside of feeling alone already and like needing a, outside of just like school needing like that camaraderie and that, that feeling of being okay and doing the things that made me feel normal again, that was also then taken away from me. Right. And I wasn't expecting that one. I mean, it's tough. Cause I go back and forth being like, like I feel, I feel empathetic towards like 17 year old you who just wants to feel normal again. But at the same time, like there needs to be consequences to actions like that. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I guess, I guess I feel less bad for you too, because I know how everything worked out. Ah, you know what I mean? And, yeah, <laughs> because I'm, I'm like trying to like, I'm trying to figure out my thoughts and I'm like, okay, you know, but I, I do think that's kind of fair. And and I'm like, man, you know what? Maybe it's, I think it's fair also too, because it ended up working out for you. 
yeah, I guess my thing is I don't think it, I don't think it works out for everybody. No, and I'm definitely not. Like a hundred percent does not work out for everyone. Like you can, yeah, hundred percent. And so my mom worked full time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't drive anymore. So now I was actually stuck at school, high school, right? Cause it's private, there's no, there's no bus. I was then now stuck at school, as far as I was concerned from 3.15 until 5.30, six o'clock. Right. When she could come pick me up with the sixth graders who had to go to, you know, like uh, all but After babysitting. After school care. <laughs> right, just sitting there twiddling my thumbs, not being able to go to sports. And I was right. like, I think I hate my life to the point where I, I don't want to do this anymore. This is terrible. And and not, not to the point of just like, like physically hurting myself, never went there. But all the time I had to think and not be able to do anything mm-hmm. was a very unhealthy place. For sure. And so, I don't know, a day or two later, I get a call from a guy named Jim Crow, who was the um, drama director at my school. And he was like, Jeremy, he was this like, uh, just the most energy filled, like drama teacher uh, to a T to a definition, right. right? He called me and said, Jeremy, you're going to audition for my musical. And I was like, what? And he goes, you're gonna audition for my musical. And you're going to do it. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you to do it. I hear you, I've been knocked on your ass. I know who you are. I, and we had like talked before and we had like kind of had a relationship, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. He's like, I know you can sing. He's like, I need you to audition for this musical. I was like, Did you know you could sing at this point? I knew I could sing, but singing wasn't manly. Right. Singing wasn't cool. Right. Singing right. singing was for for nerds. Singing was was for for I, that, that I didn't roll with those people. Yeah. That was that wasn't cool. Yeah. And I love singing, or I liked singing, I guess, at the time. And I knew I could sing, but I never really like sang publicly. I never really like felt comfortable being vulnerable in that position. And mm-hmm. I feel like at 17, I was like, ah, it's too late to try. I'll do the sports thing. And uh, long story short, he, he talked me into like auditioning. And I talked to two or three of my friends from, that were in band with me, right, at the same time from playing percussion, but they could sing as well to audition uh, for this show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Spoiler, I mean, I, I got the lead part. It was Beauty and the Beast and I got Beast, right? Like off the bat, first show I'd ever auditioned for. And I went from like this place of like, I have nothing to look forward to. All people are doing is telling me what I can't do and all the things that I think are cool, I can't do overnight to some guy saying, I want you to do this, please do this. I'm, I'm in fact, I'm demanding you come do this. Now I'm giving you the lead and now you have something to look forward to and a thing that you like, but I've never felt comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And I always remember like showing up the first day and like they give you the binder of your your lyrics and your words and all of your lines around people that I would have thought were absolute nerds and like had nothing, no interest in, I wouldn't be spotted dead eating lunch with these people, right? right. I mean, it, it's like written out of a movie. And I right, was like, right, right. these are your new friends and you've been nothing but rude to them and the people that they hang out with and they all know you as some piece of shit. Right. None of them like you, you now just got the lead. They really don't like you. They super you, don't like you, you now. You have nothing in yeah. common with them as far as you're concerned. Mm-hmm. Best of luck. And it was the best punishment. I was gonna say, this is like the healthiest and luckiest, honestly, for you, like reform that you could have received. 100%. Because I realized maybe a week or two or three after of starting this thing, I had more in common with these people mm-hmm. than I did with anybody on any sports team I'd ever played on. Right, that you're trying to earn the respect of at all of times. Of course, yeah. of course. And now I don't think, that's not to say I don't think these people really liked me from week two or three by any means. Oh yeah, you're right. an asshole, I believe right. that. <laughs> okay, um, but at the same time, it was just like, holy shit. No, I'm sure they did. I, I, wanna, I wanna add on that. You are an asshole, but you're a personable and charismatic asshole. You're hard not to like. I think there's some people that would disagree with you, but I appreciate that. Okay, okay. Um, but 
it was the biggest lesson I think I had ever learned so quickly. And I was never going to learn it until someone threw me in that position. And force you to, you know what? Um, this, I don't know why this sticks out to me. I feel bad for the arts community that even the school association held sports and athleticism above the arts. Of, oh as my like, God, As of like a craft and artsy kid that like, that like hits me hard in the soul being like, well, damn, like they thought that sports was something that was so um, like highly held and they would rip that away from you. Absolutely. But you could but still arts? do arts. Oh, go ahead and yeah, do that. Yeah, go, yeah, that's your punishment. You can do arts. Yeah. Like as a craft kid, I'm like, well, damn. What, like, yeah, what, what the why, fuck? why, Absolutely. what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. And you know, so to, to fast forward a little bit here, the, the whole thing that basically was the catalyst here was very much the turn your world upside down, you know, look at world the world in the sense of, now you are going to do something that you feel uncomfortable and feel vulnerable with. And mm -hmm. through that, I learned more about myself and more about others than any other part of my life. And I look back and I end my senior year the next year, ne having never do another organized sport ever again in my life, have no interest so in it. So even right? when you were allowed to do sports? Had no interest in it afterwards because the, the feeling that I felt from being creative and performing from like an onstage perspective, even whether it was musical or non-musical, right. was above and beyond what I never felt on the sports side because mm -hmm. it was actually who I was, not who I wanted people to see me as who I was. Right, right, right. So what now? What next? What happens next in the story? Uh, well, so, <laughs> to, and to give you even more credit, it's as I kind of like alluded to, there were friends of mine and parents that knew me who were very much don't hang out with that kid anymore. And then there were the ones that you know doubled down on it. And I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to the girlfriend that I started dating, I don't know, like six months after all this happened or whatever, mm -hmm. her parents were, um, I'll give my mom a lot of credit for a lot of things. One thing that she struggled with was finding that balance between supporting a new hobby at the age of 17 that came from all this that felt like a hobby and felt like a side thing, certainly not something that could be a future, right? right? It, right. Future was engineering or Academics. being a lawyer or anything yeah. that was academic or things yes. that she knew how to tie a dollar amount to from her own experiences, For right? Sure. The arts were not one of those things. And my, my girlfriend's parents at the time in high school, that was the exact opposite. They were creative themselves and their daughter was a phenomenal um, actor, singer, dancer, all these things, right? And the amount I learned from watching them support their kid in a creative fashion and the things they would take me to in Chicago to see like the Chicago on Broadway for the first time, right? Or see the specific links they would go to, to make sure that although we lived in a smaller area, she got the best teachers and the best this and that, and that, that she could possibly get to get her to the next level. Right, like the support, there was like an right. overwhelming amount of support. Right, and then I, I credit to a degree them with giving me that perspective in the sense of, I wasn't just a kid's random thought, I think I can do it, or like I should pursue this. They, as adults, they supported this thing mm -hmm. and that helped me feel like I wasn't crazy for thinking like I should continue to pursue this. And to fast forward a bit, you know, ending high school, I was still not allowed, um, even though I had been diagnosed with ADD earlier or ADHD, I was still not allowed to have any medication for it because it didn't exist. It's not a real thing. Got to get off that kind of stuff. That's not a real thing. Right. And so, wait, so your your mom said that? Yes. That I was see. not something that was going to fly. That's not a real thing. You're just not, you're not focusing. You're not trying hard enough. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the, that's the, uh, the most common thing that you hear is that like, so, so recently- I was just diagnosed with ADHD and OCD, like a newsflash. I'd gone my whole life and I had no idea. And like when I was talking to my psychologist, he was saying how just like the most common 
form of stereotype is that you picture a young boy who is not yet matured, who just doesn't have the maturity level to sit still. And that's all it is. It's nothing yep. bigger than that. And I the, feel like there's the, the kid that's, that's, that's tippy tapping on his, yep. um, on his tapping desk. Away. Yeah. Tapping away, drumming, whatever it might be. And I feel like there's so many, um, and I want to give so much credit to millennials and, and you know, the boomers too. Sometimes the boomers have, they, they come a long way. Sometimes they come around. Sometimes they come around, but you know, our generation just supports and welcomes mental health conversations and um, normalizing it so much more than like the traditional generations of being like ADHD is not real. So when did you, when were you able to see a doctor? <laughs> so I'm not kidding. Like, so I turned 18 end of my senior year um, with a 2.6 GPA, I believe. So C, not even C plus average, like okay. C average, right? I graduated high school with a diploma kind of thing. And, and that was it. And I remember I had auditioned at all these schools for music and this and that, and quite a bit of them, right? And I think I had, I auditioned, I believe at like 10 schools and on this like pipe dream and like talking to my mom and even allowing me to audition and apply at these schools was a challenge. Mm. And I got into, I think like nine out of 10 of them, right? Right. And all 100% of the ones that I got into said, you can come, you, you would be on academic probation. You can't get scholarships because you're on academic probation and you would have to be reviewed after your first semester or two semesters here to see if we'll keep you because of how piss poor your performance was academically right, in high in school. school. In school. And so I realized, one, I couldn't afford that without any scholarship. That was never going to work. And so I, over the summer between the end of my senior year and my freshman year of college, I took myself to the doctor and got prescribed actual medication for being ADHD. Oh, cause you're 18 now. I'm 18. I can do that. Can, can you go when you're younger? I think, I think you can go when you're younger, but there just has to be some oh. kind of parent doctor privilege or something when right. you have um, like a guardian when you're not of age. Exactly. Um, well, fuck, good for you. Right. So went, went to a community college in fall because I couldn't go to any of those schools that on academic probation. Ended senior year high school with 2.6. I took 21 credits my fall semester, which is a more than a full schedule and was practicing two or three hours a day, singing as much as I could, playing music as much as I could. And I ended that semester with a 3.7 GPA. Okay. So I just want to, um, struggling Canadian here. Um, so how many credits is a regular semester load? Um, full time is considered 12. 12 credits. Okay. And then what is the GPA's uh, schedule stop at? One to four, right? So what I went from a C, C plus uh -huh. student to, um, B plus to A student in one semester. After being properly medicated. Yeah. And yeah. on a overly full scholarship, or I'm sorry, on an overly full, um, like, uh, course Schedule, load, yeah. like way more, like 15 would have been fine. 18 is a lot. 21 is unheard of. It's not, a, that's so much kind of thing. That's crazy. No one would do that. But I felt after I started taking the medication, I'm like, oh my God, everything that I've struggled with of just like not being able to finish a task mm -hmm. I can do now. Right. And I was balancing that and I got the idea. I wanted to challenge myself and try and make it into this drum corps this thing called Phantom Regiment because it was in my backyard. Oh, people are going to be so excited. People, we have so many Drumline fans. We oh, do. I, I literally had never heard the word Drumline except for like, is there a movie called Drumline or something? Yes. Yeah. Nick that, Cannon's finest. Oh, Nick Cannon. Okay, maybe I have seen it. Anyway, but like for someone who wasn't in like band, like I was heavily involved in music growing up. Right. I did piano guitar like my entire life, but like I, I'd never heard of it. Right. We have a lot of drum corps fans. And it, it wasn't anything that I'd really done prior to it, I had just known it was always there. It was in my backyard. It was something that like, I felt like I needed to challenge myself to do. I see. And so a buddy of mine that I went to, his name was Anthony McGuera, 
very great guy. I think he, yeah, he's still in Hawaii um, with the Marines now. Great guy. Um, playing drums. Playing drums. Yeah. And we would push each other until two, three, four in the morning, playing ping pong, playing percussion and just practicing, practicing, practicing. Is ping pong a practice for drumming? It was literally like, no, it was like we play drums for an hour and we'd oh. like take 10 <laughs> minutes off and then we'd go back to it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. My mother's patience listening to that in the basement. Like I, I, there's- I mean, every parent's worst nightmare is when their kid wants to learn how to play play drums. drums. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so, I mean, the long story short in that, two, three, four callbacks for this thing, right? Everyone else was getting picked. And I knew the very first audition, I am not good enough to be in this group. There's no way it's not gonna happen. What are uh, are the age limits? Like what's the age span? Because it's Uh, it's not just high school kids, obviously. No, it's up to 21. Oh, up to 21. Yeah. Okay, I see. So teen to 21. Yeah, I believe it's 21. I yeah. see. Okay. Oh, that's actually younger than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Um, 20 or 21. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, but to add even more drama to it, it was very much like I didn't think I was ready, but I was working my ass off to get it. And I'm not kidding. We had four or five probably callbacks mm-hmm. and it came down to me and my buddy <gasps> no, going against each other. No, that's like a movie. For the last no. spot. And I got Spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. And it's crazy because to me, I would have never devoted that much time and energy and passion into the music side of things mm-hmm. that wasn't cool. The fuck this is. Uh, had I not been forced to realign and prioritize myself, right? Right, right. And that entire experience is crazy because like, I, I feel like people who aren't in the performing arts obviously have their own version of this. They don't feel good enough in business or medical or academics and everything. Like everyone has imposter syndrome. There's something about performing arts to me that feels so vulnerable in the sense that it's so obvious when you're not ready uh, to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you can read yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the th- the hardest thing about um, arts is that, and and I'm sure the structure has changed, will change, is changing, whatever it is. But there's so many measurements of success based on a group of people doing the exact same thing, but in their own style right. or way. And that's how it's measured of like who's best. Yep. So it's like, you think of like, when I went to piano competitions, we'd all play the same song, but it was mm-hmm. who could play it the best. Or like in art competitions, we would all draw the same thing, but who can draw it the best. And that's why it's vulnerable because it's like, you're doing the exact same thing, but it's like, who can who can do it in their way the best? Who can do it in their way the best? And also a lot of it's subjective anyway, right? So totally. even, if, even if you are the best, there's still plenty of room in your own brain to go, I think that person's better. Yeah. And, and like, even if you win, I don't think I should have won that. Like our brains are so hard on ourselves. Oh my God, yeah. Well, even too, like when I think about all the piano competitions that I went to, it's like, I, you could, you could practice for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, but someone could still practice one hour more than you and be potentially better. And so like, Absolutely. it's it's hard to, it's hard to think about the perspective that like you're coming into it with and not have imposter syndrome or doubts or stress and the pressure of like stage fright too. Like when you're performing, like I think of all the time. So I, um when I was going through like the Royal Conservatory for like doing the levels of piano, yeah. you would do an exam after every grade to receive to, like, your next, whatever to move on to like the next level. And no matter how good I could play it at home memorized, mm-hmm. I'd get into that room and just absolutely just fucking put that shit in the trash. Like it was terrible. I remember I brought my boyfriend at the time to um, my exam just to like help me, you know, stay calm beforehand. And he'd heard me play, you know, you only play three songs and a bunch of scales and they right. ask you like at random play an arpeggio in this, in this key. And of course, you know them at home, but you get in there. And I remember coming out of um, my one exam and I had really fucked, like really fucked a song. They like could not get through it. And he was like, so that was okay. How are we feeling? How, how, are we, how, how are we feeling? Um, do you want to be a Dairy Queen? Do you want to be a Dairy Queen? 
in your lactose intolerance? Also, nothing has changed. Literally nothing right. has changed. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. some ice cream? Apparently <laughs> ice cream is my love language um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But I mean, it's just like in that environment, it's just like, I could have practiced more. I could have played one more time. Um, the person before me, I heard them play and I heard them nail it. You of know what course. I mean? It's just like, it's 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 just like a spiral. I, the amount of people that I feel like I've, I've connected with later on, they were like, yeah, babe, you were always so good. I'm like, you were always so good. They were like- Did you, you say, yeah, babe? I don't think so. <laughs> you said, I think you were like, yeah, babe, you're so good. And you're like, yeah, you're That's so what I said good. to these people. I said, yeah, babe. Uh, but like you, you <laughs> constantly get in your head that you are, are having not to put good. up a front yeah. just to like, you know, and everyone feels that way. And it's not to say there aren't some people who just excel and know that the absolute shit, don't get me wrong, but I'm not talking about that person. That no, wasn't No me. one likes that guy. That guy sucks that or guy that girl sucks. sucks. Yeah, oh, either yeah, either, yeah either, it's both sucks. Um, but no, it's, it's, but it, the sad thing was, I feel like that, that cycle of me barely getting into the thing that I wanted to get into and then constantly thinking they shouldn't have brought me on. I'm not worthy of this kind of thing. Went on for another 10 years, I feel like, right. before I finally started to, I don't know, just reap some benefits of like the actual hard work and actually feel like I belong. Um, So I, I feel like um, a handful of our viewers already know this, but Jeremy was basically, so if you've seen Pitch Perfect, one through three, um, that yeah, was Jeremy- one through three for sure. I have to get them all. Are you kidding? Of course. Don't, honestly, I think number two is my favorite personally. Um, anyways, uh, Jeremy's life was basically pitch perfect. Like I I just, you know what? I don't know if I was just in the wrong part of Canada, but I, <laughs> this is something out of the movies for me. I, I know I say that a lot. And like, maybe it's because we're just like a smaller is my country. A movie? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Yes. Are you kidding? Yes. Yes, it is. And so Jeremy was, was pitch perfect singing acapella in um, at the University of Kentucky. Walk me through that. <laughs> Let me tee you up here. Well, the reason I went to UK was the professor there, James Campbell is like a very well-known um, professor. Like he is, was like the president of like the hall of fame of percussion. Like all these, if you were in the, like, the industry, you knew who that guy was. Okay. And it's like the perfect balance for me of like, I could drive there. It was a public school. And the most important piece was, and of course back to the imposter syndrome, he gave me the second highest scholarship they give out. Oh, I see. So I was given a little over like half of my tuition was covered by this performance scholarship. And so mm. I went there. It was like far enough away from home to restart my life and do right. what I wanted to as right. a sophomore when I transferred, but wasn't so outrageous like in New York or Chicago to the point where I was gonna be a quarter million dollars in debt by the time it was over. Totally. And so like I got down there and I realized I wanted to focus on percussion. Even though I loved singing, I wanted to focus on that because that was the program that's what you focused on kind of thing. And I, within two or three weeks, met a bunch of the guys that were on the singing side. And towards the end of the semester, they basically talked me into, hey, listen, if you wanna pay the rest of your scholarship, like the rest of the tuition that you're not getting, mm-hmm. uh, there are three groups you can audition into that will pay for your tuition. Like if you wow. can get into them, you right. have to audition, you have to make them, but the choir department's well funded, they can pay for it. And so I'm like, oh my God, perfect. Yeah. And so I went and auditioned for all these three groups thinking I'll get maybe one or two of them. And I ended up getting all three. But can we pause for one second? Uh-huh. Jeremy always harps on me for being a lucky person. I, I, I would, I, I would not be as bold to say that I think you are just as lucky as I am. I don't. I, it's looking back, even though like I'm like sitting here. Like, saying, are you listening to how things are turning out for you? But looking back, <laughs> I still think I barely deserved to get in any of these things. And I feel like I had to sell my way into all of it and I still didn't deserve it. Even looking back and I'm trying to preach the fact that like you do deserve it. I'm still like, I still don't know how I managed it. I just think the way that you uh, grew up and I don't think that this will ever change is that I think you have a chip on your shoulder and you will carry that with you through everything you do. 
but I'm saying, I don't think I deserved it. I know, I think you think that because you have imposter syndrome and you have a chip on your shoulder. I guess. <laughs> Welcome to therapy with Lordy and Wine. Right, this is my therapy session. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, so so you got you got the option to do all three. And so yeah. one was the acoustic cats. Well, so <laughs> one was uh, men's choir. Okay. And so that one, that one I could get into no matter, like they would let anybody in there, right? But they would give me a scholarship if I got into the Acoustic Cats, which is the acapella group that was men's, right? Babe, 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 babe. Yeah. You're my acoustic crush. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> For our audio listeners only, Jeremy just just laid down the fattest, nastiest wink of really my scared. life. It wasn't gonna work and I was gonna be like, yes. You while. had one shot. You had it's one shot to wait yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, it still works. Okay. Okay, I still got it. Stop, stop, um, keep going. Make sure the face still works. Uh, so Acoustic Cats was a second level of choir. Well, it was like an extracurricular thing. And like, do you got money for doing that? And you would get money for doing men's choir if you got into both. Oh, I see, I and see. And on top of that, there was a thing called chorale, which is the best of guys and women. Mm. And there was like, I don't know, four voice parts of of, of every part, but you know, like 16, 24 parts, okay. that's it. And you got the most money for that. And I got into all three. And then maybe a week or two afterward, and I had been struggling with my allergies really bad anyway. A week or two after I got into those and like found out I was, gonna basically have most of my stuff paid for the following right. um, year. I went to the doctor and he said, you are at risk of crazy infection in your throat because your tonsils are so big. We have to remove them um, very you know, soon. You know that this is the same storyline as Chloe in Pitch Perfect when she had nodes, right? Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it was my real life. So I was like, fuck, like I just got here. I'm just starting to figure this thing out. And you're like, now I'm like, he's like, and you'll probably be able to sing, but like sometimes it does mess you up and you don't really have the same voice as you did before. Right, right, right. And so, sorry, this was tonsils? Yeah, my tonsils were literally touching in the morning. I um, I, I, I follow someone on TikTok who just had their tonsils removed as an adult. And it is one of the like doctors acclaimed most painful surgeries to have when you're an adult. It just does no not heal the way that a kid's throat does. It was the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. <sighs> most painful, no joke. I mean, you've told me you've told me like horror stories of you having your tonsils removed. It was the, I mean, I'm glad I did it obviously, but it was yeah. the most, I can't imagine something more painful. How long is the recovery for that? Mm, solid two weeks. Oh, like, God. and you're not, you're not really able to do anything for the first week because every time you breathe, you're like, <gasps> Oh, like, you know, when like you're sitting there going, oh, uh -huh. like that's a, that's miserable. That's yeah, that's hell. miserable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, two weeks turns out I could sing. Everything's good. So you still did all three. I did all three. I did all three. And like, I did that for a, a year and a half. And, if, and as you would say, of course the luck hit it, whatever, as I was about to basically move over to the business side of things, realizing mm -hmm. I loved music but I felt like such an imposter for so many reasons and I needed to get into something that was more concrete and that would make mom proud and all this shit. I also think that there are so many um, just like societal pressures of people having the impression. And honestly, this is not an impression. I feel like this is kind of reality is that it is so hard to make it in the arts and to earn yeah. a steady income. So like, I don't think that's an unfair um, mindset for you to have to be like, this is a little risky. This is a little risky for like my well being yeah. financially later on in life. I think I looked at it like the guy that was teaching me like some of my private lessons was, you know, a, a doctor of percussion, right? He right. had a doctorate in it. And like, he was having a hard time paying his water bill. Right. And I was like, I don't want this. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, do you want to make that sacrifice to do something that you right. are so passionate about? And I guess I loved it enough at the time to be like, I think I can, I can cultivate my own love for this, not 
from a financial standpoint, right. go to business, make my money in this capacity, mm-hmm. still love music and be able to do them both at the same time and not have to rely on one. Right. And also like the pressures of like, I felt like I was just skating by, but like just, just by my teeth every time to get in these new groups and doing this. And I was like, I don't want to, like, that's too stressful. I think my art of bullshit will get me through <laughs> on a sales and marketing path to a more like solid financial future. Right. Well, so you could still be, you could still switch over to business classes mm-hmm. while doing acoustic hats and chorale and stuff. Well, so that was the thing. I was, I basically, when I switched to business the year before, right? Or when I ended up switching to business, I was like, you know what? The percussion scholarship, although it's half of my tuition, I'll lose that. I'll keep doing the singing stuff to I supplement, see. Okay, right? Okay, got it, got it. And the following year, right? Like my end of my junior year before I was going to go into my senior year, I was so far behind because I switched majors late. I was like, right. I need to drop everything. I'll pick up the debt but I'll be able to nail this and actually graduate on time. Mm-hmm. And of course, as luck would have it, <laughs> Jordan Lindsay, one of my best friends to this day, whatever goes, we're gonna audition for this thing off. NBC's best. And if you're in this group, you have to because your scholarship says so. And we're like, I was like Fuck. oh, interesting. So because it wasn't you're, a choice. yeah, yeah, because they're paying you and you're a part of that group. Yeah. And when I, and I, he'll be the first one to say, remember, remember what I told you? I remember he came to this idea and I was like, Jordan, this is a waste of time. Yeah. I don't wanna do this. We're not gonna make it. First off, we suck. And the, the audition is the don't, same- Don't don't say that about my acoustic hats. Anyway, and the audition's the same day as the Kentucky Derby. And I was like, I am not missing the Derby to go to some audition to go be told how much we suck. Okay. And so I was irate. I did not want to go. I did not want to practice for the stupid thing, but my scholarship was there, so I was going to do it. So basically I was like, you know what? This is my, oh, this is my goodbye. I'll do this, then I'm done. And then I'm going to just focus on business. And I remember we practiced for this damn thing for a month and a half and finally got there down there to Nashville and auditioned for this thing. And I realized at the end of the audition, I was like, fuck, I think we just made this thing. <laughs> As luck would have it. The, and what's crazy is cause like it takes weeks to, or even a month to find out about that. You know, and I was like back at like at home in Rockford, like, right. it was like between my junior and senior year, like getting ready for my senior year, taking a bunch of classes and this and that, get that call of course. And it's like, hey, you're going to LA. And I was like- I'm sure, oh. I'm sure Donna loved that one. As, uh, as if um, on schedule, she was like, well, yeah, but you're not going. And I was like, well, uh, it's my group, so I kind of have to go. She's like, yeah, but you're not going. And I was like, no, but I'm, I got to, I kind of like, I got to go. I mean, it's tough too, because you would have been what? Like 20 at the I time? I was 20. Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, yeah. And, you would have been 20. Or yeah, I was 20. Yeah. No, no, no. I was 21. I was 21. Oh, your January birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I was 21. And it was like, it was crazy. Cause like I had just, I feel like not given up on my like love of music kind of thing, but I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to put you over here for a while. Let me right. go finish school. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this thing that I, I know I need to do. So I'm going to put my creative thing to the side finally. And I'm going to go focus on this. I mean, I think my mom was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> and you're like, psych. And then she, and like, of course, you know, uh, fights, fights, fights later. Whatever. I was like, I'm going to LA kind of thing. And of course I went to LA and I feel like that was to a degree my, like my, I felt good about leaving music there almost. Cause mm-hmm. like when I got out to LA uh, once again, surrounded by people, as you know, who are just so talented. And it's one more reason of you're like, I don't deserve to be here. What's the best of the best? In, hell, it wouldn't even have to be the best of the best. Like, it's just like, I'm there and I'm like, I don't know how this stuff works. I'm a kid yeah. from the Midwest that's been singing in sorority houses. I don't, <laughs> like what camera do I look at? I can't dance, I'm six four, I'm a gangly white kid that just looks awkward. It's, it's it, I don't know what to do with myself kind of thing. Um after finish the podcast, but once you finish the podcast, do yourself a favor, go to YouTube search bar and type in, what's the one where your pants come down? Uh, NBC single up, Acoustic Cats, Acoustic Cats with a K. I wanna be very clear, not a C. Old time rock and roll. And it's, 
<laughs> Old time rock and roll. Tom Cruise when he goes. Jeremy has um, a little solo moment where he rips his pants you down. You know what? I used to do a lot more squats. Go check it out. Yeah, the thighs look great, the thighs babe. Look great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. thighs look nice. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Um, there's a picture of me, my mother, and my assistant all huddled around a little iPhone, enjoying this for the first time together when we found out when Jeremy first started dating. And we weren't even dating yet. We, were, we weren't even dating. No, it was oh. like three weeks later, and you were like, "Hi, mom. This is, this is oh, Jeremy." Oh, you're right. That because my mom, my parents his, were here. This is when he takes his pants off on. And like, I, on I gotta be honest. TV. I had just, I had just shook the DUI thing. I was no longer at this. I was finally getting my life together. Like, I feel like parents were finally like, "Oh, this kid's in tech. He's got a straight job. Everything's good." And you're like, "But look at the time he took his pants off on national television." <laughs> I mean, I've done much worse on the internet, so I, it's it. My parents are not um, right. thrown by that kind of behavior on the internet. I didn't tell my mom I was taking my pants off that night. Oh, did she shit her pants? Oh my God, she um, must've. She wasn't like, she was like. Your mom was just so modest that yeah. she was on her couch at home. <gasps> just Jeremy, <gasps> all three syllables. Oh. Jeremy, <gasps> Jeremy. <gasps> oh, here we are. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> and so to cap this thing off, to not go just to great lengths or whatever, the, the, the crazy thing is about coming to LA and like even like realizing that you are falling in love with like a new city and like post-college and all these things or whatever. I remember like going back to school and realizing like, wow, uh, I want to do a business. I don't want to be in the performing arts by any means, but like, I, I want to get to it. I just want to like start. And I had a really hard time coming back to school after being on TV, like really, really hard. Like I, I couldn't get out of bed. I was just super sad. I wanted to be out in LA. I had met a girl. It was just like, I was very much just like, I want to get done with this thing. And like, I've, you know me, I don't have issues with depression. It's not something that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I was D. De- Rest. And I think the more, once again, people told me when I got back to school and I was the kid that was, I mean, it was, it's a big university, but like, celeb. yeah, like it's Lexington, Kentucky. It's like, I would go into any restaurant or anything on campus. It was like, which if you think it's cool, but it's not. And you just feel like you're like an imposter because you're like, yeah, but like when I'm out there, I'm nobody. Like you guys, once again, you don't understand. I'm not cool. And what you think about me is not real. Like that's not cool. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's crazy because I, I, I look back at my life and I'm like, I was upset when people thought that I was something that I wasn't in a negative way. And I'm also upset when someone gives me too much credit. So it's just like the human condition is so fucked. It's the chip on your shoulder, I told you. Yeah, it's It gets tough. like a chunk, a chunk out of your shoulder. It's tough. I think, um, I think too, I, I can relate to this in a lot of ways when I felt like I was trapped in Toronto waiting mm-hmm. for literally my visa to be approved, to be able to go to Los Angeles. How long is that process? Um, I mean, it depends. I think under the current administration that we just had over the past four years, what a uh-huh. fun ride that was. Uh-huh. Um, that was that was a process that was not fun for anyone. Right. Um, immigration, you know, just not- but How long did it take you? So for me, um, under Obama, it took me about nine months. Wow, that's still a long time. It's a long time. My my application, so I'm on an O-1 visa. My application was over 200 pages of every career achievement I'd ever had in my entire life. Every magazine printout I'd ever been featured in, wow. every uh, news segment I'd ever been on, any kind of award or recognition that you that you have. But like what, I, what I'm getting at is just that like, when I felt like I was trapped in a place that I did not want to be because I saw something bigger and brighter in a place that I just couldn't quite reach yet, yeah. you can't appreciate anything behind you. Uh, nothing 
makes you feel valuable where you are. All right. you can focus on is the place you want to be. You want to be, right. So it's like, I'm sure a lot of people in the Acoustic Hats, when you guys came back, were like, oh, hell yeah, I'm a local celebrity. People want to buy me drinks. Like, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, flourished in that. But because you had another goal that you wanted to get to, you're kind of blinded as, as to what's happening around you. I would go so far to say that uh, four or five of the guys dealt with depression at the time. Mm. And I could think of one or two that still do. Right, interesting. Uh, one in particular, mm -hmm. one that just never really got back. He, he got a taste of just like a life that was beyond everything he knew. Right. And he had no idea how to get back to it. Right. Well, I mean, it's so polarizing. It's just like, it's such a different world. Yeah. And it's not, even, it, it's not like the biggest prime, it was on prime time on NBC, but it's not like it's some like, you're not an A-list celebrity by any means. You're not yeah. a B-list celebrity. You're not a C-list celebrity. You're just like, you get a taste of like what that, that performance feels like and you don't mm -hmm. know how to replicate it. And right. it's like a drug, Yeah, you know, and you just don't know how to get back to it. And like, I, a lot of us struggled. That's um, interesting. But no one, of course, wants to share that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And um, here comes Donna's favorite part of your academic career is when you didn't finish your degree. Isn't that fun? <laughs> what a star child you are, babe. Isn't that fun? You know, I'm thinking back, I'm like, you know, mom, you had a tough ride. Yeah, you your, tough mom, ride. your mom, a truly a saint, bless yeah. her. So uh, long story short, my senior year, I am uh, I definitely did get a little bit behind by not being at school for the first three months in the fall. For sure. And I when mean, I went back, of course, like my, like my newfound depression was just like, I don't want to go to school. This is stupid. It's mm -hmm. terrible. I'm going to LA. Mm -hmm. And so halfway through my, the next following semester, my grades had really fallen. I didn't care. I didn't want to be there. I was just like, I want to get out to LA and do something. It wasn't even perform, but like, I want to get out there. I'll, I'll get a shit job. I'll just like, you know, uh, work my way up kind of thing. I just want to get out there and get into life. Start. Yeah. I want to start. Just start. I yeah. Start. And I decided with a few weeks left, you know what? Uh, a few weeks, Jeremy. Well, the thing was, I, I realized there was one class. I think I wasn't going to, I wasn't going oh, to pass. Oh, you were going to pass it. I see. So that you'd have to go in for another semester. Not only that, I was like, okay, I'll, if I can get it done in the summer or if I can get it done in like in one sit, like one three month period or right. four month period, I'll right. do it. I wasn't able to. So I would have had to have, got another lease, be there for all summer and uh, okay, fall. That, that's more, when you said a few weeks, I was like, you know what? I'm officially on Donna's side. Yeah, no, it was like, I only have like 15, I still only have like 15 credits left, which is yeah. like a, a semester. But one of those courses, the prerequisite to the other one. I so see. I have to be there two consecutive semesters. I see, I see. Otherwise I would have realistically with, with Corona probably would have been like, oh, well, I'm quarantined anyway. just finished it, yeah. Online yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, spoiler alert, moved out to LA in with my girlfriend for the first time living with a girl kind of thing, right? Go from like small town Kentucky, moving out to LA, no degree, no plan, no anything. And um, as How far much as- How much do you have in savings? $200. Jesus Christ, oh my God. Everyone always says that you need at least three months. Like, I feel like this is the general thing that I've always heard from friends mm -hmm. who move to LA with nothing to like do their fresh start is that they always try and move out here with at least three months of uh, everything saved so that they could do nothing yeah. for three months and, and have that cushion. So you came out here with um, three, yeah, I three cents. I can't tell you how much you need. I do know that it's more than $300. Got it. Yeah. Surprise. So moved out here and was just like, I'll figure it out. You know, kind of thing. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, spoiler alert, I could not figure it out. <laughs> okay. So for how long? Years. Years. Because the- So what did you, what did you do when you first got here? Um, applied at any and everything. Okay. Right? And I realized, and it's what's, what's terrible about it is that minimum wage- I don't know if, if it's changed the, at the time or, or now, like minimum wage was not going to cover 
the amount of money I needed to just survive and pay my student loans right. and, and whatever kind of thing. So I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to make a little bit more than that to even come out net zero. Mm -hmm. And none of it, just did the math, none of it worked. Like I wasn't gonna able to just get an hourly job that required no previous experience and could pay my bills. I'm like, I have to, as opposed to doing that and still coming up short, let me take 30 days, 45 days to get a job that pays a little bit better or figure something out to actually be able to cover my expenses. And it just took so long to, and I realized that, okay, great. I'll go into, I know enough about marketing and sales. I'll be able to consult and help from a social perspective, whatever some of these businesses. And it took me, I mean, I would get up at the crack of dawn, 6 a.m., start shooting emails out, calling, using everyone I knew, which was almost nobody out here, right? right? My girlfriend at the time was on tour, so she wasn't even here. So I was just alone in a city, knowing maybe two or three people. And the people that I knew, I couldn't ask for help because I didn't want to look desperate. Right. Because I couldn't yeah. come up that way. Also a new friend. It's God like, you're forbid. not comfortable with that. Right. And I didn't want to use the things around me that I think I probably could have used per se, because right. they were doing well. I didn't want to come off or make people feel like I was using them. So I refused to ask. And so I feel like people, and the reason that I feel like I've, I've put off even talking about this part is because people have been like, um, talk about post-university or like, you don't have a degree or, you know, how, how did you get here? Right? Like what, what, what took you from dropping out of school and now having a great job and, and being able to support myself and beyond and being really fortunate and lucky to be in a career that has really endless opportunities. And I look back at it and it was uh, as conventional as the rest of my, I feel like my like upbringing. Cause like I struggled for like years. I mean, I feel like you came out here with a, a purpose of like, I want to do this thing I'm already doing. And I feel like I came out here with a, a world of like, I want to come out there. And obviously I, I was um, interested in obviously being closer to my girlfriend, but I also was um, so passionate about the idea of being able to be in a city with endless opportunities in business and in, in tech and in, in, in culture and everything that just didn't exist in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, I think that's not dissimilar to a ton of people who just right. want, you know, they move to LA with a dream and right. that's, that's, you know, like that's a, that's. It would have been a little bit easier with a dream and a degree. Um, but of course, because I had on the way out. Actually, do you actually think that, that it would have been easier had you had a degree no, on your? No, not, not, not at this point. Yeah, no. I was gonna say, I don't, I actually don't know if I agree with that, yeah. And to even on top, for where I ended up, right? Uh -huh. um, because when you leave with a, no, I'm gonna go figure it out. You guys don't, you don't believe me. Yeah, I'll show you, I'll show you. Yeah, I'm gonna make it, I'll figure it out. You can't then call that person and say, hey, everything you said was right. Right. Hey, um, mom, I'm not, I am struggling. And of course for years when she would call me, oh, everything's good, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm mm -hmm. fine. I couldn't afford food, you know? I was trying to figure out how to scrounge enough dollars together to eat, pay some of the rent, do anything and everything I could for, for multiple years. And all the while being surrounded by people that are, as far as I'm concerned, thriving. Right. And I think though there's like a lesson in this um, about asking for help. Of course. Because I, I find myself in relationships with boys, boys that just don't know how to ask for help, who just don't know how to do it. And I think it's because there's this stereotype of like asking for help is not manly and that it's weak and it's pathetic and it's desperate. Like you literally use that word. Yeah. And like, I think about who you would have been surrounded with in this time of your life and had you asked for a little bit of help. Of course, <laughs> of course. And it's it's the biggest, um, the biggest visual reminder I feel like I have of myself in this time mm -hmm. that I can always go back to whenever like, I feel like I've not forget my story, but like when I 
I feel like it's been so long since then is I did, um, it was like 2016, I think. I sang with uh, a group in Florida called Voctive. They're like this acapella group that, at Disney, right? The um, leader of that group, Jamie Ray, and I got connected and he said, you and your girlfriend should come out and sing with us. We'll do a video, it'll be fun. Whatever you wanna sing, I'll write it and it's great. Once again, I looked at these people from afar on YouTube and I was like, these are the most talented singers ever. I can't say no to this opportunity. Once again, don't feel like I belong in this. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend, of course, is way more accomplished than me. I am once again uh, in the situation that I don't deserve, but you have to try, you have to do it. And while I'm trying to figure out how to make enough money to eat and pay some rent and do the basic things, I also can't turn down this opportunity to do this thing. And the reason I bring it up is because I look at the video, um, this thing called Disney Love Medley that we did. And I look at the video and- That's I'm, a different person. I'm 50 pounds less than I am right now. Uh, you you look sick. I was sick. Yeah, but no, that's what I mean. But it's it's like, it's jarring and like alarming what 6'4 can look like with 50 pounds less. Like was, knowing what you look like. Looking even, at my yeah. face. If you, if yeah, you, it's, if it's you watch your, that video yeah. and you look at my face- For me, it's um your elbows. I mean, I- I, I couldn't afford to eat. I yeah. was barely, I was barely able to survive. And it, it's a reminder of this moment where I was doing this thing that I hadn't been able to do in years. I'm not kidding. Like that was the first time I had been in a recording studio mm -hmm. since I was on the show. It was like years, right? And I look at that that piece and I look, I look happy and I'm smiling and everything's great. And I know how sad I was. Right. Cause I, I was, I was so far from control. And all I wanted to do was be all the things that I felt that I was not. Well, I think that you were chasing success and a sense of individuality. True. And I, and of course, like people on the internet were mean and were saying, you know, uh, you know, this kid is using you for this or this person, what does he do? Like, mm -hmm. why, why is he, why does mm -hmm. he have followers? Why is mm -hmm. all this thing? And you just want to say, shut up, go away. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. You I know. just don't, you know. don't know what people are dealing with. I have been on the internet for nine years. <laughs> exactly. I know. So here's where things get good. Is it me? Am I the good part? Oh, that's the that's the finale, my love. Uh, <laughs> here's where things get good. Um, enough knocking on doors, enough trying to figure it out and just like um, being willing to work hard. And I get um, a client that pays a little bit more. And when you get momentum and you make a little bit of money and you're not desperate, when you don't have enough, when you have, don't have so much time to like, um, worry about if I don't get this job, I'm not gonna eat. Uh, when you go, okay, well, I'm gonna eat, I know that much. Now I'd like to start paying back that student debt. Right. Um, the momentum carries you. The way that you present yourself just sure. changes. For you sure. don't have time to stress over little things, so you get through more things. Mm -hmm. And so I landed another client that was bigger and another client that was bigger. And when you say client, like what were you doing? I was doing, basically I would, I would take a startup and they wanted to be able to create either new, like marketing for them. They wanted to create social assets or be able to understand how like the back end of social platforms worked. Mm -hmm. And I studied Facebook and I studied Instagram and I studied Twitter and I studied the paid ads behind them. And I would create these strategies for companies that couldn't afford big agencies, but they would pay me a, like a flat dollar amount and I just figured it out for them. Right. And you know, started making a little bit of money, not anywhere near enough to actually like pay back my debt, but like enough to like exist. To float. Right, yeah. and that, you know, uh, six, nine months later, start making some decent money. And I get an opportunity to work for a kind of newer tech company, STEM. And I actually took a small pay cut to work at STEM, but I believed in the product and what they did. And also too, you, your lifestyle improvement of you going from working for yourself to working for, um, you know, a corporation, even though it was a small business, yep. like 
it's just different when when it's not you working for you. When it's you working for you, there's no work days. You have days and every day you work and there are no work hours. It's you have to work until the work is done because if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And when you work for a company, it's not to say they couldn't drive you, but like it's probably nine to five ish mm-hmm. or eight to six ish. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's probably five or six days a week. And that's when I realized and I got this idea of like, holy shit, I actually am good at business. I actually can excel. Like I got into a role where there were, there was more opportunity than I was just bringing to the table myself mm-hmm. and I kept hitting it. And it wasn't that any degree or any conversation or any one of those things in the past would have like unlocked that for me. It was a place where I was put into an opportunity where I had like tried hard enough and worked hard enough and studied hard enough for myself to get to and everything fell into place from there. But nothing I was going to do myself was going to get me to that situation until the time was right and the opportunity was right for me. Right, everything had to align and all the experience that you went through had to happen. And it's crazy because I, I look back on the things that I struggled with and the path that I took and the thing that brought me to, uh, a, a very, it was very successful at STEM. And I got a, another job after that working for my current company that was even bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And, and going from small contracts to big to really, really big stuff, working with the biggest media companies in the world. And I don't think that I would have the general understanding of how just like the landscape and how people and how empathy works for people that don't look and act and think and believe in the same things as I do. Had I not been knocked on my ass as a kid and been told, this is your chance. You get to either reinvent yourself in the way to humble yourself and understand your shame, or you can keep trying to put up this front. And it still took me 10 years later, 11 God knows, to get to that point. But I honestly don't think I'd be here today had I not had a the worst thing ever happened to me that became the best thing that ever happened to me. The end. No, no, the best thing that ever happened to me is you, of course. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> See, you didn't have to deal with Jeremy in his in his worst days. Are you kidding me? I still deal with the trauma of all the shit that's happened in the chunk on your shoulder that's off. Chunk on my shoulder? Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Here's me packing it up with Mod Podge and glitter and clay and all my DIY supplies. <laughs> so that's my story. Yeah, I um, I don't entirely understand how you don't see that this is a movie. This is six movies. This is this is this is a a, a sequel on sequel on sequel. Like we touched, we touched Nick Cannon's Drumline. We touched um, Anna Kendrick's Pitch Perfect. We touched, um, you know, probably some Hallmark stuff in there. Sounds like these movies have already been written. On, about your life, yes. Well, they, there are, the <laughs> stories have been told. No, but like you've lived so many of these like crazy stories that I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, but the movie we're gonna make is gonna be the best one yet. That's so nice, babe. Probably, hopefully not as entertaining as the other ones. Um, won't have so much um, little less climax. action. Yeah, hopefully a little more consistent, but yeah, uh, I like this movie the best, that's for sure. Yeah, but like, I don't think you could be in this movie without the other movies. I very much agree. Yeah. All right, well, fuck. Anyone still with us? Yeah, shit. <laughs> anyway, oh. I feel better uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I'm glad that uh, I wrote it all out yesterday to a degree, because I feel like I didn't realize how much things were connected, but I feel like I've almost told like, how'd you get after college? Or like, what is mm. like some things you struggle with and this and that? It's like, you almost have to tell the whole story. Yeah, well, sense. I mean, it's hard without giving certain pieces context. I think it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, agreed. For sure. I mean, that's how I feel. I've had such like a, I've been on the internet for nine years and I feel like my career has so many different chapters of it that all led to a new chapter yeah. that it's, it's hard to tell it just in sections without, you know, accidentally throwing a little shade in one direction totally. or taking blame or put, you know, it's, it's tough, it's yeah. tough. 
Okay, so um, hopefully no one no one took the uh, took um, notes to make like a memoir and steal your story or something. Oh, because you know, it's- if they did, call me when it's when it's made. Okay. Um, but I would love for the folks that are on the community side keep sharing. It's like crazy how inspiring it is to get texts or messages or DMs or tweets from people that are like, these things are so close to what I'm dealing with in mm-hmm. my neck of the world. Right. And I feel like we take it for granted of just like sharing stories that like, are just like, oh, we got drunk and did this stupid thing and we learned something from it. But it's like, it's so similar to what everybody else is dealing with too. Oh yeah, for sure. And then also if you don't feel like doing that, just send us a dog pic. Mostly dog pics would be great. I got a really cute dog today named Chili. Um, a dachshund who's actually going in for surgery. So send good vibes to Chili. To Chili? Yeah. In surgery? Yeah. I'm gonna cry again. Oh my God, stop, stop <sighs> it. Stop. Is it serious surgery? <laughs> well, he's a little old, so they're nervous. Mm. Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry again. Stop it right now. We need to end the podcast immediately. <laughs> Eyes welling. Uh, <laughs> chili. <laughs> babe, this has been wild till night. This has been wild till 5.30. We're going for tennis tonight. So I don't know what you want to make of that, but- <laughs> My name is Boyfriend. My name is, is Chili. <laughs> Best of luck, Chili. We'll you won't need it though. No, no, he's gonna be, Chili's gonna be just he's fine. Gonna be fine. Chili's gonna be just fine. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. I appreciate it if you did make it all the way through. Yeah, let us know if you made it all the way through. Um, Leave a comment about Chili in the comments if you did make it this far so we know that you a real one. Yeah. And that you're also, and then we're just gonna aggregate the good vibes for Chili. Chili. Chili, Chili, Chili. 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs>